Hello, hello, James in the editing bay here. Quick, uh, quick little plug up the top because this is a video game themed episode. Uh, a new issue of Hyper Magazine came out last week in Australia and New Zealand. Hyper being Australia's longest running multi-format video game uh, magazine. The new issue is a Nintendo special and I feel like I should plug it because I wrote most of it. 61 pages out of 100, which is quite a bit, I think, and I'm pretty happy with the issue. I would like people to buy it. If you like video games and you live in Australia and you like this podcast uh, and you like Nintendo, then I feel like you are the exact specific target audience of this issue of Hyper. So that is my plug. Thank you very much. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to uh, number. Actually, no. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put the. I'm going to put the, the the numbering of this episode on the shoulders of Editing Bay James. I'm glad so. you have because actually I've, I've got a little proposal I want to put forward because I okay. I realized I have an anecdote that I really should have shared on one of the other video game episodes. So you know how a while ago I was working on a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> this is. This is this, this is, is relevant. I promise this is going to come to relevance. Okay, okay so years ago I started a PhD. It was about Grand Theft Auto 4. I eventually finished it as a master, so I don't have a PhD, but I do have a master's. Sure. And during that time, I had to read a lot of, you know, game studies material, uh, a lot of books about games, some great stuff out there. But one of the, yeah. the worst one I ever read... The worst? I knew from the dedication page that it was going to be bad Ooh. because the author... Dedicated the book to the first person to ever put a control pod in their hands. That was the term they used. Control pod. Control pod. Yes. Was that their term for... A control pad, I suppose. A a controller. So this is control pods in the key of Springfield. (laughs) A video game (laughs) subsidiary Eat My Shorts series. So hang on. So (laughs) let me get the nomenclature of this correct. Eat My Shorts is a sub-series of Pods in the Key of Springfield. You're now doing a... <laughs> within the Eat My Shorts-verse, yes. there is a subsection of just the video game episodes. Well, maybe it's more of a classification than a subsection. Oh, that's... Okay. So yeah. but, so this is a... But this is a... Eat My Shorts, Control Pods in the Key of Springfield. Control. I think it's Eat My Shorts 9, Control Pods in the Key of Springfield 3, <laughs> Buzz Nightmare and Krusty's Funhouse. Wow. I'm so glad I left that open to you. All right, <laughs> welcome to Control Pods in the Key of Springfield. <laughs> yes, and we're looking at two games today that were on both the SNES and the Mega Drive, I think. Mega Drive is the thing we had over here, wasn't it? Uh, yes. As opposed to the Genesis. Yeah, the Genesis was, yeah. Yep, so these are, these are two games that both were released in 1992. Krusty's Funhouse had a... Had a NES version as well, but we checked out the SNES version, which have, was equally uninteresting. Do you have any anecdotes from 1992? From 1992? I was just a little boy back then. Little boy. Just a little boy. Little that boy. was your first year of school, though, wasn't it? Probably, yeah. You were just a little boy, running around uh, little yeah, shorts. Yeah, would have been my first year of school, running around my little shorts, yeah. Yeah. 
just you know running around saying hey it's me i'm nick <laughs> i'm gonna have a podcast one day um i reckon in my first year of school when it came time to do like the 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 christmas play yeah um i was given the role of being a donkey and i was wearing uh my costume in so in who in, plays shrek in that play <laughs> <laughs> Donkey, you've got to carry Jesus and Mary all the way to Nazareth. <laughs> um, <laughs> wouldn't that be great at school nativity? That's the same as normal, but one of the characters is Shrek. <laughs> one of the characters is Shrek. You've got to get back to your birth town of Nazareth for the census, Donkey. They're taking a census. really like there is not just the impression but that you've actually found a part for Shrek to play in the <laughs> I've cast him yeah. I've cast him as the census taker he's like the guy who informs uh, the donkey of what to do oh, that's so good he's he's the conscience of the donkey I remember my sister used to be in like nativity plays when she was younger and they were always like modernized takes on the nativity or like different spins on it every was time that inspired by Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet <laughs> Yeah, probably. What if Bible, but modern? <laughs> and, you know, you'd go and you'd watch it. It's like, just do a fucking regular nativity. Like, I don't care about any of this. I'm literally just here to support my sister. <laughs> like, I don't need to see this new script that the fucking drama teacher has written. I love the idea of they're trying to modernise the nativity. So instead of travelling back to his place of birth to, to, um, to do the census and then having no room in the inn, it's like they go to a frozen yoghurt shop, but there's no more frozen yoghurt left. Like, the whole point of a nativity is that it's kind of, like, huge when children pretend to be adults. That's the only reason anyone is even close to caring about the nativity. Yeah, yeah. Is that, like, they have some vested interest in one of the children in there. Nobody gives a fucking shit about the... Well, maybe there are some people, but... No. Maybe I'm coming a little hard on that, but my point is... My question... Fuck this rewrite bullshit. Just give me a standard, like, 15-minute nativity and let me go home. No one needs rewrites. Who's getting to the end of a nativity and going, hmm, I've got notes, actually. Um, What if if it's from the donkey's perspective? Fuck right off. Second act seemed a little forced, but going back to me as the donkey, because I wanted to say what my costume was. Yep. It was a headband that had two grey socks sewn to it, and they were my donkey ears, and that was pretty much the costume. The rest of me was just in... Oh, no, I was in a grey uh, grey hooded... Uh, not a hooded, a grey jumper and grey track pants. I've lost track of why we're talking about this. Um, anecdotes from 1992. Oh, yes, okay. That's what I was doing in 1992. I was, be- I was being a little donkey. Being a little donkeyman. See, all I was going to say is that I was a Nintendo child. You're a Nintendo child. You were a... Seagaman. Sega kid. Sega kid. Sega, you would say. I didn't want to grow up. I was a Mega Drive kid. So many toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. Do you remember when you got your first console? How old you were? What year it was? Uh, I don't, actually. I think I got my Super Nintendo for the Christmas of 1995, I want to say. Sure, okay. So, several years after 1992, the release date of uh, both of these games. I enjoy how good you are at counting. Um, I do remember, I think I mentioned this before on an earlier episode of what we're now calling Control Pods in the Key of Springfield. Um, I think... um, Sorry, I've completely lost it. Oh, yes. No, I think I mentioned this before. My, My Sega Mega Drive 2... Um, the the power cable on it was a little bit dicky. Yeah, and remember the a original. Remember the original Starburst like square chews 
yeah. that they had. Yeah, I remember the chews. Yeah, the chews. I ended up having to... Uh, I, I put one of those under the power cable because it was the right height to um, to put the power cable in a spot where it was no longer touchy. That was after I had the Mega Drive for a couple of years. So. Okay. See, when you said chews, I thought maybe you were going to talk <clears throat> about the video game Choo Choo Rocket made by Sega for the... Maybe not made by Sega. It was for the Sega Dreamcast. Because when I read the uh, synopsis of what Krusty's Funhouse was, I thought, oh, it's going to be like Choo Choo Rocket. Tell you what, nothing like Choo Choo Rocket. Like Choo Choo Rocket. Did you ever play Choo Choo Rocket? No, I never played Choo Choo Rocket. Good game. I liked it. I think it's good. Cool. Yeah. What what, what is it? Like a train? Like like a train? Like like a rocket train? You're guiding some... I'm a rocket train! On a steel horsey ride? Burning out of fuse up here alone. You guide some mice around by putting little directional arrows and the little grid on the screen. How many mice and what's their vision like? Are they three blind mice? There's usually more than three. Usually more than three. I think they probably are blind though. I think probably In the determinate number of blind mice. In the determinate <laughs> number of blind mice. See how they run, etc. Yes, sure. Good song. Good little moment for the podcast. <laughs> Good little moment for the podcast. Is that the most fucking patronising thing that's ever been said to me? I feel like we should we should talk about Krusty's Funhouse first, maybe, just to get oh. it out of the way with. Because we're going to need a palate cleanser after it. Because, like, I, it, it seems dull. We didn't actually... We don't get to play these games. We don't have access to them, so we watched no. a video. We watched a video. Yeah. As Sophie and Stevens might say, is it a video? Yes. Fuck. <laughs> We so, discussed this, and I said no. So Krusty's uh, Super Fun House, which is what they called the SNES version. Seems neither super nor fun, if I can put that hot take out there. It seems like a Lemmings ripoff, but a fairly dull one. Super Play Magazine gave it a 79 out of 100 and Why? said, uh, Not one to set your heart on fire, but a good solid game nevertheless. Not one to set your heart on fire. Heart on fire. Set your heart on fire. Flow river flow oh. for the nation. Shine Grace and mercy. Shine Jesus shine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, I didn't realize we were going to tie everything back to my <laughs> weirdly biblical episode so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking grand. Um. So in this one, you play as a lovely little crusty who's running around uh, killing snakes. It's and... quite. It's quite a cute little crusty model, I have to say. Yep. A little too cute. Because every time he jumps, his his pupils like <laughs> roll back in his head in this cute doe-eyed puppy dog eye kind of way, and I don't know why they made Krusty so cute. Because Krusty's a bit of a haggard character. Really. Yeah, he is. He's a bit of yeah. a miscreant. But in it's, this one, wait, he's like a lovely little baby Krusty. In this one, are you playing as a as Krusty or as a Krusty doll? It did seem like it might be a Krusty doll. Maybe or, it's a Krusty doll. Okay, we've just watched Marge. Versus the monorail, and in that episode, there's a scene where a woman runs up to Krusty and says, uh, "Why are you turning my calls? Uh, you haven't even met your baby." And there's a little baby Krusty. Could baby, baby Krusty be the? It could be little, the character we're seeing here, the the protagonist of the game. It could be little baby Krusty. Yeah, little tiny baby Krusty. Little tiny baby Krusty. Yes. Just a little baby Krusty. Little tiny baby Krusty. Cute little baby Krusty. Uh, I think we've said that phrase enough. <laughs> Um, so the premise of this game seems to be that you go into a world through a door. The door then locks behind you for some reason. Sure. And the only way that the door unlocks is if you 
free these little rats from whatever environment they're in. Yep. Use a temporary brick which you carry around with you at all times to build little well, It seems like you have to collect the bricks from the oh, levels. collect the bricks. Yeah. And then you can place them in temporary spots to build bridges or to plug gaps so that you can eventually lead all the rats to Bart's machine. Yep. Which then unlocks the door for you so you can get back out of the level Are that you're in. Rats or mice? Because they, they looked like mice, but I like to characterize them as rats because rats seem more devious to me. They're rats. And I was not enjoying watching the footage of this game. They're rats, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Uh, at some point when you were um, not paying attention, there was a sign-up. That, that, that There was a poster that little little tiny baby Krusty walked past yep. that I really enjoyed. It had a picture of one of the rats on it. Yeah. It had a big thing that said, zap those rats. Ooh, okay. And then under it, it said, call rat be gone, <laughs> which is not a phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that like, you know, around this time, there were a lot of things in the Simpsons of like phone numbers bl- being blended with words. Yep. And, you know, that's a standard thing. But rat be gone is not an example of that. <laughs> Seems like to play this game, you need a tedious level of knowledge of each level. Like I noticed in one Should section... Should have been 555 Rat Zap. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I noticed there was one bit where he had to make part of the floor disappear, and to do that, he just had to stand on it, and like the floor would disintegrate beneath him. And but there was... Seems no... like a lot of that sort of tedious yeah. 90s level design Trial of like, you error. just need to know a lot of bullshit. Yeah, because I... Uh, when that happened, I was very surprised by the fact that the floor disintegrated away because I didn't actually see anything that delineated the dissolving tiles mm. from a non-dissolving tile. Which was a very, just like a, a 90s video game level design trope that just parts of floor disintegrating and you need to know where they are and just figure it out. And just run with it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever play Lemmings? Uh, yeah. I had a version on probably Windows 90... Windows 95 Was there a Lemmings on Windows 95? Probably Yeah, I feel like I played that And then I reckon I think it was developed by I think DMA Design Which eventually became Rockstar I think they did Lemmings Easily verifiable knowledge But you know Wait, the people that uh, Wow Lemmings and And John Marsden From Red Dead Redemption Have a direct (laughs) Linear history between them yeah <laughs> that's why so you know you'd meet that one lemming who was called javier Esquela and you had to guide <laughs> him to the exit excellent um yeah no i played lemmings lemmings was fine um did you do the thing that i would do where you would get all the lemmings together and you'd have one on each side of the group you know put their hands out so that the lemmings are bouncing oh, back and forth between them the big stop right now thank you very much i need yeah, somebody with a human, human touch. touch yeah hey you always on the run gotta slow it down baby we're lemmings have fun yeah exactly so did you ever do that where you <laughs> trap them and then you press the self-destruct button and watch them all blow up oh i'd forgotten about the self-destruct button but that is right, literally the main thing i remember about lemmings is the self-destruct yeah, button just that's good you would like it was a good game but you would play it for about 15 minutes before TD would set in and say, you know what, I'm going to blow all these little things up. That's true. Would you also, um, did did your your murderous tendencies, did they carry out into other video games? Were you one of the, I'm going to build a pool, I'm going to put my Sims in it, and now I'm going to take out the ladder? Were you one of those players of The Sims? Well, I never played The Sims, but as I did mention earlier, that's I have fascinating. written a thesis about Grand Theft Auto 4. Oh, yes. So yes, uh, okay. I mean, probably. Yeah, there's definitely now. I remember the first time I saw Grand Theft Auto, the 
the idea of being able to go anywhere and just kill anyone was exciting to me. You know, you can do that in the real world. It's just that there are more tangible repercussions for it. Yeah, I mean, your wanted rating goes up and eventually they'll take you in. And then yeah. one of my favorite pieces of like just weird in-game description of a mechanic is yeah. in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Do you mean of a game mechanic or do you mean of a car mechanic? Anyway, uh, there's a... If you get... Wait, hang on. Sorry, I feel like the reaction to that was very weird. <laughs> Did you think I said gay mechanic? No. Right, okay. No, cool. I got the joke. I yeah. The... Well, I, I genuinely wasn't sure because Grand Theft Auto has driving in it. And I didn't know if you were going to talk about a weird description of a someone that fixes cars. And then your react, you stared at me so bad. I was like, what have I possibly said that was offensive? Shit, did he think I meant gay mechanic? Wait, wait, wait. Is that a genuine question whether I was talking about a... Yes, I actually genuinely <laughs> oh, wanted to know. Oh, sorry, I'm just I'm so caught up in my own little video game world that when I say mechanic, <laughs> I'm never thinking about a person who fixes a car. I'm thinking about the mechanic of the video game. Okay, cool. So anyway, anyway, so anyway. so, so, so you, you're telling an anecdote about a self-referential moment in a video game, a video game breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> a description of a mechanic inside the game must be breaking the fourth wall because it's telling you about the thing that you're doing. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the, well, <laughs> kind of. But what I what I liked is in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. If you got arrested or, like, the cops shot you uh, before you came out of the police station, sometimes on the loading screen you would just hear the voice of what is meant to be your lawyer saying, Tommy Vercetti is an innocent man, and then it would show you coming out. So I like the implication huh. that during the loading screen a court has, a court trial has happened <laughs> and you've just been declared innocent and oh. been allowed to go. Interesting. That's I always thought that was a neat little... You know, obviously it's brushing over the fact that you just killed a lot of people. Mm -mm. But I liked it. It was good. In my opinion, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, good video game. You know what one of my favourite uh, in-game mechanics is? Um, <laughs> you got to discuss one of the mechanics? No, 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 no. One of the people? No. Like that one from Final Fantasy XV? No. The only no. in-game mechanic I can think of? Or maybe that one from Borderlands? Uh, I mean, the, you, you could drive through a mechanic in Burnout Paradise and your car would get fixed, but you didn't actually see... Um, a a character, but no, no, not a fan of that game. Burnout Paradise, yeah. Burnout oh. Three is my shit though. Uh, Skate Two, the the way that they got you into the character creation model in that was pretty enjoyable in 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 the thing. So yeah, in Skate, the idea was that so Skate Two and it, it was a direct lead on from the story, right? And the the idea was you were meant to be the same person, but. Not everyone had played Skate, and not everyone had the same wanted to do the same character model. Yeah. So the game starts off in first person, and you're meant to be doing some like amazing trick because you're the world's best skater at that point because you've conquered Skate the first game. Yeah. And so for Skate Two, what are you supposed to do? You're already on top of the world. In the process of you trying to do this huge trick, you have such a bad accident that your face has to be reconstructed from scratch and you've lost all of your skating ability. <laughs> and that's how they reset you to zero and get a, get around the fact that your character model is different even though they're meant to be the same. And that's why the first 15 hours of the game is just you in physical therapy as well, just learning how to walk again before you can skateboard. Yeah, that game, the, uh, it probably lent too hard into the rehabilitation. Yeah, if, people criticise that me. game for you know the pacing issue. Like the final level, is just you get on a skateboard and it starts moving and then hard cut to credits <laughs> hard cut to credits and uh, and you, you, I'm you... suddenly very attached to this idea by the way <laughs> what a rehabilitation game yeah okay what would we call it 
Rehabilitation 2. <laughs> oh. Just call it Skate Again. Can we get... That's like the end goal. It's just Skate Again. You can just sit off and skate again. Um, can we get the little... Um, the little disembodied black head from, from like theme park world and theme hospital. And can we get him to be in control of our rehabilitation? I'm not sure who that is, but sure. It looks like you're learning how to walk again. Well done. <laughs> I'm sure this is a reference to something. No one remembers theme park world? Okay. Well, I don't. I'm the only one at the table. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Wait. I mean, I remember its existence. I never played it. I haven't played any of these games you, 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 you yeah, point I, out as cornerstones. I, I have a very odd video game history. In that yeah, I've it's like owned... Zombies Ate My Neighbors <laughs> and like four Sonic games. <laughs> and then like you're aware of all these theme park games. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Theme Park World. Okay. Pretty, it's, 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 it's not <laughs> Sounds bad. a lot like your Shrek. <laughs> no. <laughs> My Shrek's recently just turned into Billy Connolly's dad. Yeah. <laughs> right at the back of the throat. That's, that's where Billy's dad... That's, I think that... It doesn't matter. Can we talk about Bart's Nightmare, the video game? Yes, I'd love to talk about Bart's Nightmare, the video game. Now, the video we watched for this one was by Mesker Man and Again, which is one of the people who made one of the videos from our previous... Uh, yeah. Uh, control pods in the Key of Springfield episode. I looked into the developer of this one. It was developed by a sculpted software for the SNES and the Genesis, which an acclaimed studio, one of the studios yep. under acclaim. Yep, yep. Uh, it seemed like a fairly interesting developer. In 1988, they developed Mario Brothers for Atari systems because there was a lot of weird licensing shit going on okay. back then. Apparently, they developed Super Star Wars in 1992 and the Super Nintendo versions of both Mortal Kombat and Doom. I have a request. Yes. Can we put two of those consoles together and call it a, a Genesis NES? Genesis NES? Yeah. Sure, why not? All right, sweet. So this was released for the Genesis NES. <laughs> the final game of Sculpted Software was Legends of Wrestling 2 in 2002. Hmm. Which is just, here's a bunch of wrestling people, they're all fighting each other. <laughs> was it a fighting game, or was it just, here's a bunch of wrestling people? It was a wrestling game. Oh. It's a whole, it's a whole subgenre. Wrestling or wrestling? Uh, it's a bit of wrestling. Bit of wrestling? Bit yeah. of wrestling, you know, there's wrestle mode, there's wrestle mode. Just there's... checking. I'm, I'm wearing a wrestling shirt right now, it's Are got uh, the Bootios logo on it. The Bootio? Yeah, I'm Bootio, not, it's from not the f- one time I went <laughs> to the wrestling. Not familiar with this wrestler. That's probably fine. Oh. Uh... So, the other interesting thing about this is that uh, Bill Williams was one of the developers on this. A man named Bill Williams. Is, he, is his full name William Williams? I suppose so. What a baffling choice his parents made. <laughs> but anyway, he said that a company meddling during development of this game specifically <laughs> prompted him to leave the video game industry. He referred to the game as Bill's Nightmare instead of Buzz Nightmare. A, I like what he's done there. B, it's good to see someone finally taking a stand against meddling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill was anti-meddling. He died in 1998, unfortunately, but uh, now he has the legacy of uh, this good anecdote on this dumb podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, all right. Well, you know, RIP, Bill. May no one meddle with you in the afterlife. So this seems like a weird little game. Mm. One thing that I've said on this uh, on these mm. episodes before is that sometimes these games... Have I told you about the award I won for interfering with precious medals? You could say that I was gold meddling. Oh my god, okay. Well, um, <laughs> that was a bronze level joke, I think. That's okay. Uh, 
games from this period of time. I have a hard time sometimes when we're watching footage of these thinking, is this like a good game? Is Would people have enjoyed this? Would I enjoy it now? I don't, I don't think I would have enjoyed either of the games that we're looking at today in Control Pods in the Key of Springfield. When people talk about the golden age of video games and they say like, oh, you know, games are so much better back then, they're really thinking about like the eight games they could afford as a child. Yeah. Because everything else was bad. Or they just had to play games a lot and convince themselves they were good. Yeah, exactly. This one seems like it might have been maybe okay. And I, I think, actually, remember in, in a recent episode of Pods in the Key of Springfield, the, uh, the superstructure <laughs> Yeah, the <podcast>. subsidiary. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, there was a theory I had about when you're a child, it's hard to tell the difference between... Uh, affection and recognition sure because i used to really like the episode that had the big carnival couch gag and now i recognize that the carnival couch gags aren't actually that good it's just that a couch gag that really stuck out to me sure yes. and the reason that they're not that good is because that's a time filler yeah um i think it's a similar thing with a lot of video games people just spent a lot of time playing a video game they recognize it from when they're a kid and they assume it's good i'm not sure that that's actually the case absolutely i think that's uh, the case for a lot of different things people lot, just think they things. recognize something so it must be good yeah now there were two reviews for this listed on the wikipedia page one from our old mates at super play again which i believe super play which I believe was published by Future Publishing, if I'm remembering right, because I just have a unnecessarily detailed memory for video game magazines from the 90s, several of which I did not even read. Sure. Super Player was before my time, but they gave the game a 91. It's, it's odd that something released by Future Publishing was before your time. Cool. Shouldn't it be always be in front of? Are you implying that I'm some sort of Billy Pilgrim-like figure, unstuck from time, just flitting around between different periods? Never quite tethered by, uh, you know, uh, corporal ideas of time. Who's corporeal, I should say. Yes, corporeal. Who's Billy Pilgrim? Uh, Billy Pilgrim is the protagonist Mm. of Kurt Vonnegut's novel, Slaughterhouse-Five. (laughs) Slaughterhouse-Five. You deflated so heavily when I said novel there. (laughs) What a weird reaction. You're just so <laughs> fundamentally against the idea of literature now. I am. Should I, should I read? Should I read to the listeners a little bit of our um, text conversation from earlier today? Sure. Um, where you said that uh, you were in a bookshop and that you enjoyed that, and I said, "Oh yeah, some people probably find books relevant still." <laughs> anyway, upsetting. Yeah. So this uh, this video game. I made some notes. We we watched sure. a video yes. of this game. Seems like a weird one. They flip between different gameplay styles throughout. There seem to be numerous little references to other games. Like uh, in an opening section, we see Bart floating through water, shooting. What were they like? Like urchins or something, and like uh, inflating them until they exploded. Like yeah. he was playing Dig Dug, very Dig Dug. Yeah, there are these weird little green green blobs that just kind of he inflated until they exploded and yeah. i didn't really understand it and like joe smile and joe fission is there for some reason yeah because because i i literally was we were watching the video and i said well this is fucked these characters aren't for the simpsons at all and then smile and joe fission arrived it's like well i guess that meets the criteria but i mean really smile and joe fission out of all the characters you could have <laughs> had you could have had the sand guy you could have had the zinc guy like smile and joe fission not zinc. one of your top characters zinc no, he's, he's not. He's not up there with like the guy who calls Homer Bill or a Tibor or no, you know Tibor. all of our favorites. 
So that one guy with the pumpkin head in uh, Homer's Odyssey, as opposed to the uh, pumpkin-headed guy from People Who Look Like Things. Sure. Um, the premise of this game seems to be that Bart's homework is blown away, and that we're buddy boy, and we are collecting pages of the homework through a series of nightmare worlds. Yeah, but he's, all, he's dreaming while this is all happening. He, he is dreaming. I have two questions about this premise. Is one of them we are like the dreamer who dreams and lives inside the dream? But who is the dreamer? Because the dream is Bart. Ah, oh, no. Sneaky peeks. Sneaky peeks. We're like the dreamer. And then leaves inside the tree. Fuck, you're now putting sneaky peeks inside control pods in the Key of Springfield, yeah, which is inside Eat My Shorts, which is inside pods in the Key of Springfield. Well, one of the central conceits of Lynch's work is that the line between dream and reality is blurred and that dreams are real. What I'm saying is I've discovered another piece of merchandise that we could do. It okay. could be a series of uh, Matroshka dolls, those stacking Russian dolls. Yep, sure. And each each doll is just one of the names of our podcast series. <laughs> so you start with Pods in the Key of Springfield. Inside that, you have Eat My Shorts. Inside that, you have Control Pods in the Key of Springfield. <laughs> Except then we also need one that's the same level that is the other Eat My Shorts. And then we also 22 need flims. 22 Flims. I'm not sure where that fits into it. <laughs> one um, of them is just Love the Beast. <laughs> yeah, it's just a it's standalone special series. Love the Beast sold separately. Speaking of things that are sold separately, episode 11, the episode that no one... separately. The episode that no one has listened to. Sometimes um, I feel like I've been sold separately. You remember that? What is this? From an episode of The Simpsons. Oh, I don't Do remember. you remember The Simpsons, that TV show that we no. enjoy? <laughs> was, was, was that the song performed by Malibu Stacey's hat? It's the song where, um, like, Smithers has the the Malibu Stacey. Oh, the musical. musical yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. of course, of course, of course, of course. No. So, you have things. to see the Wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> because, 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 because. Yeah. Because of the wonderful things I does. Uh, because of the wonderful things, Dig Jug. Mm, interesting. Mm, yes. Uh, so we're collecting pages. Two things to say about collecting pages of Bart's little, of little buddy boys, little homework. Little buddy boy. Firstly, is this a precursor to Assassin's Creed? Where we have Ooh. to collect pages and notes and sea shanties and, and other such thing. No? Okay. That it, no, that's interesting. I think we should, uh, we should focus on that. Who was the developer of Assassin's Creed and are they linearly related to this developer? Okay, they were developed by numerous Ubisoft studios. Ubisoft studios. Ubisoft. I'd say Ubisoft, but that's okay. Mm. I'm not <laughs> sure. I, I don't know. I don't know. Should we get one of the guys on the... On... For, to know that, we'd need to know who are they guys. Yeah, first. that seems like a thing that I should know. I'm just running through my head of uh, the <clears throat> Ubisoft guys. A single, a single... The Ubisoft people, I should say. I shouldn't use a gender. Yes, that's yeah, but, uh, God, who even represents... Uh, I know like the local PR people. Sure. Get them on the podcast Let's... to talk about Assassin's Creed. Actually, if they could get on the podcast and confirm the pronunciation for me, that'd be good. Because I have long lost track of what the fuck is happening with Assassin's Creed, by the way. Yeah, I have no idea. I tried playing the newer one, Origins. I got like an hour in. I'm like, I am baffled by everything at this point. Speaking of being baffled by everything at this point, my second note about Bart having a nightmare in which he has to collect the pages of his homework from these various underworlds, these netherworlds, these, these, these nightmare liminal states. Why the fuck does Bart care about collecting his homework? So you can get an A+. A plus. A plus. I just don't. I, I'm. I'm questioning Bart's motivation in this game. That's what I'm doing. I think that is 
worth questioning because it does seem strange that Bart would give a shit about any of this any nonsense. Of, any of the nonsense. Games are baffling. That is one of my notes here. It just says, games are baffling. It's right under my note that says, Bart scurries around like a little rat fuck. A li- yes. Yeah. So this game has a series of um, things. So we, it starts with the premise of the him in the bedroom the pages blow out the window. Then we go into this overworld map where you just basically it looks like you waste time until a page arrives. Yeah, you run around Evergreen Terrace. Yeah, you're running back and, uh, back and forth along Evergreen Terrace with some terrible parallax animation, by the way. A lot of weird shit happening there. A lot of like mailboxes turning into candy that he can eat. Yeah. and Which is, does your mailbox turn into candy? That seems unusual to me. It's it, not how my mailbox works. It has not turned into lollies, no. Um, and I don't understand why we have this overworld. And then when we when he picks up a crumpled page, that page has two doors on it. So you become a small body boy standing on an A4 page. Mm. The A4 page has in front of you two 3D doors. You can choose either one of those doors. That then puts you into a further world where you then have to go through and find the page. The page that you've already picked up because it has the two fucking doors on it. I don't understand well, you know, this game. Well, it's dream logic. I suppose so, yes. And then in one of the uh, one of the sections, we see Bart as a well, we see him fighting Itchy and Scratchy yeah. and some vacuum cleaners. And that section distressed me because Bart is breathing very heavily throughout the whole thing. He's... He is huffing and puffing, and he looks like he's about to blow a house down. Frankly, oh, really, yeah. well, like some kind of wolf. Yeah, a wolf, a wolf-like man. Sure, like a wolf a boy. Oh, oh, a wolf fuck. boy. You just reminded me of speaking of video games. You just reminded me of the trailer for The Wolfman, a, PS, a PS2 game that never got released. It is the most bitchin' trailer. It is so good. I was obsessed with this trailer. I enjoyed your I selection, the word bitch in there, because you kind of gave me, like, the like chef's okay symbol. You were doing yeah. it as well. Oh, man, it was good. I am the Wolfman. I hate being bored and I can punch sons. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? What is this? Oh, do you want to pull it up? No, we're enjoying a podcast <laughs> right now. Alright, I'll show you after the podcast. This isn't Rocky and Bullwinkle. We can't just bring things up. Gee, Bullwinkle, we gotta get back on track. Um, and then we see Bart as a kaiju. Yeah. Uh, we see Bart as, I think it's Reptar from the, uh, from the <laughs> from Rugrats, Rugrats universe. Yeah, he is rather Reptar-like. Yeah. Reptar. Yeah, because um, he's meant to be Godzilla, I suppose. Yes. And then we see the monorail, which I think is an interesting tie-in. In yes, one. There's sure. A monorail. Yes, there's a monorail in the background. Bit weird that, you know, there's absolutely nothing about the, you know, the dangers of nuclear energy. He blows up the power plant at one point. It really... Just, just blows it up. Have you seen Godzilla? No, no. It, it's very good. I haven't seen any of the Godzillas. Not even Shin Godzilla? Shin Godzilla. The most recent one by uh, Hideki Anno? No, I haven't seen... Hideki Anno, the creator of Neon Genesis Evangelion? Evangelion? Yeah. No, I haven't seen any of these things and I'm not familiar with uh, any of the words. Shin Godzilla fucks. It is so good. It is. Shin Godzilla. I, I went and saw that film. I'm going to talk about Shin Godzilla for a moment. I went and saw that film with a friend. And uh, going in, I was very excited... And I hadn't, you know, I hadn't told him what the film was about. He was very excited for like a full-on monster mash movie, but I knew this is a movie largely about the Japanese government struggling to deal with Godzilla, and I was so excited about like all the bureaucracy of that film. 
And it is like, there are long stretches that are just like people in offices talking like, what are we going to do about Godzilla? This is a real problem. And like, just a lot of like, you know, the internal policies and, you know, here's this department and, you know, we have to intersect with this department. Just a lot of meetings. I'm just seeing that like, this is my shit. This is exactly what I wanted. Is this and I think like everyone else in the cinema was bored out of their minds, and I was so happy. Is is Shin Godzilla part of a larger series where you've got like ankle Godzilla, <laughs> knee Godzilla, <laughs> upper leg Godzilla, metatarsal Godzilla? That's the toe bone, James. Yeah, sure. That's that's um, yeah. That joke was almost <laughs> worth it. Uh, what does Shin mean in Japanese? I think it's like rebirth, rebirth, or does something that like mean that, that you were a big fan of? Um, uh, oh, I'm I'm digging deep on this barrel of of um, pop culture references. Does that mean you were a big fan of Star Wars Episode Two? Wasn't that mostly about intergalactic trade or something? That was Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Yeah. All right. Well, I take it all back. <laughs> take it all back because you got one number off. <laughs> yeah, I take it all back. Well, it was three then. It was one. one. Phantom Menace oh, is one. Episode one, The Phantom Menace. Epis- okay. It's about a phantomy menace. Um, in one of the other worlds, when Bart's not being little Godzilla, we see him flying through the air. He's uh, he's as Bart now. I, I yeah, it's it like a little cape. like Gradius sort of uh, shooting game sort of thing. Yeah. And um, we see Nelson on a paraglider for some reason. Yeah. Um, and Bart kills him by shooting him down with his little slingshot. And then we see in what I think is perhaps one of the best references I've ever seen in a 1992 video game. Sure. We see Sherry and Terry in a hot air balloon, which I assume is a direct reference to the French Montgolfier brothers, the brothers that invented hot air ballooning. Yeah, you got very excited by that. Yeah, they were they, watching they, you just yawned and ah, they're like the Montgolfier brothers. <laughs> Because I'm the most tedious nerd of all time. <laughs> I don't understand how you read nothing but know everything <laughs> about. Actually, I'll tell you exactly how I know who the Montgolfier brothers are. Because yep. there's, and this is one of those things that um, uh, is a potentially shameful admission. The only reason that I know the Montgolfier brothers were French brothers who invented hot air ballooning is through a Monty Python sketch. <laughs> well, that's a perfectly valid reason to know about them. Yeah, I know, but I feel like there's a, a part of the... A, a part I of feel the... like I should clarify, have you ever gone and checked that the Monty Python sketch was right? Yes, I have. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like there's a part of the internet now who, uh, who, who, who looks down their nose at Monty Python and the, the fan culture around it. Sure, sure. And so by saying, I know this because of Monty Python, I'm concerned about, am I part of that fan culture of fuckwits? Is this because Terry Gilliam's been like a real piece of shit lately? Partly, yes. Yeah. God damn it, Terry Gilliam, just calm down, buddy. Yeah, just calm down. <laughs> I mean, bit of a rant. You know, he's going on about, uh, you know, these days as a white man, you can't get anything, you know, you don't have the same opportunities, of, you know, I'm, people are prejudiced against me. Nobody on fucking earth who wasn't a white man would be allowed to spend 15 fucking years making a donkey or film the kids getting cancelled and ripped away by investors. Like, the fact that you got to make that fucking film is so ludicrous. Nobody who wasn't an old white man would be allowed to do that, Terry Gilliam, so shut the fuck up. Alright, that was my Terry Gilliam rant. Uh, I had no idea about the backstory to that. By the time it comes out, uh, that would be a very outdated rant, but that's fine. I mean, podcasts are timeless. Yeah. Not not in the sense that they're valuable. Just in the sense... <laughs> More in the sense that they just go on and on and on. <laughs> totally. 
Um, well, I've got nothing further to say about Bart's Nightmare of 1992. Well, we this. skipped over a little bit on oh. the Godzilla Bart. Oh, yes, uh, the Godzilla Bart. Right at the start when we saw Godzilla Bart, I wrote, oh, it's going to be like Rampage. and then, But it's not like Rampage. And then he starts climbing the building. And I said, oh, it's, now it's like Rampage again, which is nice. The other thing is we see Marge as Is a, Rampage the part of every book that has a picture of a male sheep on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't read a, I don't read a lot of books, but all the books I have read... No, that's, no Rampage that's, is the 2017 uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson film. Oh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Based, of course, on the arcade game of the same name. Oh, arcade game. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's a video game. Um, have you spent much time in arcades? Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, there's not many left. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's weird, though, because whenever I did go to... Because I used to spend a little bit of time in arcades. Yep. Whenever I did go to an arcade, I used to be a much bigger fan of the the, the physical games rather than the, the actual video game bits. You mean the ones you win, like, the shit with? Yeah, the ones yeah. you win the shit with. Yeah. Mostly because, like... like ball. Yeah. Whoop. Yeah, or the, the arcade I went to do called Iceball, but... Yeah. Skee-ball. Yeah. Um, Probably some sort of licensing issue. There's a, like, you hit the gators with the hammer. Yeah, yeah, Hammer gator. Yeah. Um, And they're, mostly because I didn't want to play Time Crisis 4. (laughs) Or, actually, no, not Time Crisis 4. That was the one released for PS3. Time Crisis 3 was a better Time Crisis. Really? I think so. There was one arcade that I used to go to which had Ferrari 355 Challenge, a racing game whose physics was terrible. Sure. Um, But here's my question to you. Have you ever scored... Or hit a jackpot on an arcade game. The closest example I have is you know that like that bullshit skill tester thing where the light goes around the edge. There's like a series of lights, and you have to press the button to stop it on a specific light. Oh uh, yes, yes, yes. Like, yep, I managed to win a GameCube copy of Resident Evil Zero on one of those ones. Bitchin'. Yeah, that's good. It took me five attempts, so five dollars. I played a little bit of the game, and I believe I sold it for $20. Oh, nice. So I made a $15 profit. That's pretty cool. I've got Jackpot uh, on two physical games in arcades. Yeah. One of them was on Iceball, formerly known as Skee-Ball. How do you get the Jackpot on that? Do you just have to hit, like, the best hole repeatedly? Yeah, and I think I did. Or am I now getting confused? Maybe that was on a different game. No, I reckon it was on that one. I reckon I got a perfect... Because I think you got... Five balls, and I reckon I got the high score on each one, which was the really? which was the one in the the very top back right hand corner it was that that pipe. Okay, yeah. Um, so that was a hard good. one to hit. Yeah, and yeah. I managed to hit it five times in a row, which is bonkers. Wouldn't be able to do that now, not with these rickety old arms. Uh, and then another game that I got jackpot on had um, it was a, a big standing up machine. It had a tube at the back of the machine that would drop a ball down onto the playing field. Oh, yeah. Is that the one where you want to try to get in the central hole? Yeah, not the central hole. So the playing field was a big rotating wooden disc that had various holes cut into it. Yeah. Each hole had a different points associated with it. And the, um, the lower scoring holes were bigger. So it was easier for the ball to get into it. Sure. You could either time it so that the ball would go directly into a hole, or if you didn't time it right, it would bounce around and then probably go in one of the larger holes and you wouldn't get very good points. Yeah, I've definitely fucked up that machine. Absolutely. Um, I got the timing so good on that that I got jackpot on 
going straight into the tiny little jackpot hole. Yeah. Which the tiny little jackpot hole is just... Wasn't that the name of your band's first album, Tiny Little Jackpot Hole? Tiny Little Jackpot Hole. Um, Tiny Little Jackpot Hole, how I love her. That's um, (laughs) Crazy Little Party Girl by Aaron Carter. If anyone's playing along. Aaron Carter, if you're out there, you'd like to come on the podcast. If you're out there. Uh, To claim copyright on the song, you fair. So you won the jackpot. So I won the jackpot. And it was like, you know, 800 million tickets. And then I go over to the the counter and I'm grinning from ear to ear going, 800 million tickets. I'll be able to buy the universe with this. And then it's, you know, my options were a stale Twix or a lanyard with skulls on it. And I was like, oh, the jackpot economies. I was going to ask about that lanyard you've been wearing this entire podcast. Yeah, look, I'm not going to lie. I went with the right choice. (laughs) Do they glow in the dark? Yeah. So I'm looking at you like it's actually there. (laughs) And I I say that as an unabashed lover of Twix. I think Twix is, is the pinnacle of chocolate bars the pinnacle or for america i will say candy bars because what they think is a chocolate bar is what we would call a block of chocolate i got one final question for you sure in the kaiju level uh marge appears as a mothra like creature sure now do you think she should be called mumra or madra i think considering it's bart's nightmare i I think think that's the the element we have to take into consideration but i think mumra is already something Mumra sounds familiar to me. It does, doesn't it? Maybe I'm thinking Mumra. Maybe that's some ancient Egypt thing. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I shouldn't have coloured in that golf tee with that Sharpie because it is fuming. Yeah, what are you doing? I, I'm fiddling. <laughs> I'm just having a very fiddly type day. Put yeah. me on a fucking Yeah, put roof. you on the roof because you're the yeah, fiddler. Okay. Yeah, because I'm the fiddler. So, um, so you think Madra? Uh, I think Madra. What's your vote? I think Mumra just sounds better. Guess what? We've got to get the listeners to write in. Oh. Listeners, write in. <laughs> okay, so if you think it should be Madra, hashtag Madra. If you think it should be Mumra, just don't even worry about it. Oh, <laughs> just geez. don't even tell us. Just hold on to that one. That can just be a thing that you think. And it's just, just your thought. Can just be a thing and it can just you be yours forever. Yours forever. But don't forget to tell your friends about this podcast. And, uh, this podcast, Control Pods in the Key of Springfield. <laughs> a subsidiary podcast of Eat My, My Shorts. Shorts. A sub-series within the main body of Pods in the Key of Springfield, Key of Springfield. Which is a bullshit podcast that is tangentially related to The Simpsons. Um, I've got a way that we can end... I've just thought of a way that we can end Control Pods in the Key of Springfield. Okay. With our new catchphrase, Control Pods in the Key of Springfield, Alt-Delete... End task. I was just going to ask if you've been playing anything lately, but I know you haven't. No. I've been playing a game called Octopath Traveler, but I'm currently embargoed, and by the time this episode releases, the embargo will be over. But I can't just tell you what I think about it on this podcast. I'd be breaking embargo. Although, actually, I think the preview embargo has ended, so I can tell you that I am enjoying it, but I can't review it. Oh, right. You you, you can say that you're enjoying it, but you can't say why. I I can't... Attach a number to it, basically, is really all that means. Embargoes are weird. Some Like, Seven? if there's a preview embargo... Seven? What? Seven? Why are you say I can't even repeat the number you're saying here. Interesting. I'll get... Like, Nintendo has has their people, you know. That, and they come to you and, and say, Hey, James, you'd better Nintendo don't do that again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what they say. Oh, is that actually what they say? They need a better writer. <laughs> Well, they're still using that whole Sega does what Nintendo don't phrasing. Sure. Which is why Sega's constantly breaking Nintendo embargo. Yes, exactly. 
So this has been Pubs in the Key of Springfield. Yeah, yeah, in my Nintendo show. embargo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Hello. is that? Stop it. <laughs> it's it's Coco Jumbo, but Nintendo embargo. Remember Coco Jumbo? I just wish I had a glass of water to just pick up and throw on you. <laughs> like a cat that's misbehaving. <laughs> But oh I don't. God. I don't recommend doing that to a misbehaving cat. By the way, oh, that's funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Do we do Woozy Wars at the end of uh, um, Eat My Shorts? Usually not, because there's nothing for me to tag out from the video games. <laughs> oh wait, oh, uh, Bart did say Icarumba in one of the videos, maybe. Yeah, oh, I'll do that. Okay, Woozy Wars. Icarumba. Very good. Right, that'll do. <laughs> video games. Video games are good. <laughs> no. <laughs> In Springfield. Um. Is that a motorbike mic? Was motorbike mic getting off to a shaky start? <laughs> That's what that was. Oh my god, he hit the wall.